All right. Today I'm going to start a two-part series. I would like to let you all know that I'm preparing a longer series in the future on marriage, dating, and relationships. Aimed right at the singles, just so that you all know. No, it'll be a lot of marriage stuff as well, but uh, Amber's going to jump in on some of it. I know she will. We did a marriage and family series in the past called Reclaimed, and you can actually find that on our YouTube or on our podcast. And it was a wonderful uh, series that we did together on marriage and family. We told our story. We told a lot on ourselves. And so go back and listen to that. It's a classic. You will laugh a lot. You will laugh a lot. It's called Reclaimed. And I don't know, several years ago. All right. So today and next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message titled Fully Convinced. Fully Convinced. And we're going to start with Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 22. This is from the New King James Version. And not being weak in faith, he, we're talking about Abraham, did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. God gave a word, Abraham believed what was spoken and he allowed those things that weren't happening to come into existence. God speaks those things that be not as though they were. So the ultimate one with faith is the Lord. And he has faith for your life and your future. Even when there's times that you're weak in faith or you're faithless. Even when we're faithless, the Bible says that God remains faithful. And so the context of the scripture is that God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah And that promise of a firstborn son would take 25 years to come to pass. 25 years. For some of you, you go 25 days and you're complaining. 25 minutes, that's right. Now, you have to understand what was happening in those 25 years. In the 25 years of standing and believing for the promise, things were only dying more. They were only dying more in the natural. So much so that Abraham and Sarah would take it upon themselves to make sure that the promise of God would happen. And that's where we get Ishmael. They would not trust the Lord and take it into their own hands, probably because the promise was delayed and what they were seeing in the natural was against all odds. But what we get here in this context is that finally, when Abraham was about 100, we'll just say he was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90 now, so, so they've waited 25 years. He was 75 when he got the promise. She was 65. That in the natural, there was no way. They were fully dead. Their, her womb was dead. And it was completely impossible and hopeless in the natural that they would have a son, a promise. But against all odds, 
Abraham held the line. It's a popular phrase that have, we've been using a lot. It's hold the line. People are using it for the nation. They're using it for cryptocurrency, all kinds of things. But when God makes a promise, you have to hold the line. You have to stand your ground because God is able to perform it. You're not. You're not able to do it. Only God could do what God wants to do. The challenge is is that we get in the way, we get impatient, and we prematurely try to make it happen in our own strength. And that's hard to do in this day and age. It's hard to do when the world is screaming, do something. And then we want power, we want social power, status, recognition. And God says, like I preached a few weeks ago, unless you become like a child, you can't receive the kingdom of God. And children, in a sense, are powerless. But to God, he would choose to use a child to give all his power to because they would be completely dependent on the Lord. Now, I'm talking to some of you today that are really struggling with some, some real questions about your future. In fact, I would say if you don't have questions about your future, something's amiss. If we don't have questions, God loves questions. In fact, it's amazing to me, I think about this all the time, how the Lord could say, come and let us reason together. And the beauty of that reasoning is in the context of though your sins are as scarlet, I'm going to wash you and make you white as snow. And when you become white as snow, now you don't have any spots, blemishes, or issues keeping you back from fully being persuaded. God wants you to be fully persuaded. He doesn't want you to waver. He doesn't want you to live in doubt. Now, sometimes I understand that doubt happens and sometimes you're weak in your faith, but I'm going to talk to you about how do you go from weak faith to strong faith? Amber and I were talking about this last night based on a word that Caleb brought yesterday at the women's flourish meeting. Was that when it was or before? I don't know when it was. Okay. The premise is that Faith is not something you pray for more of. Faith is something that comes when you believe and trust God more. The more that you trust God and say yes and stand on his word, your faith grows. The more you overcome, the more you make it through hardship and suffering and trials. In fact, I've been through so much that I'm so dead that what I see in the natural is completely dead. And the minute that I think that I'm alive in my own strength and I don't see the deadness is the minute I try to take things into my own hands. This is a powerful word. Well, wait till you hear next week. You know what I'm doing is I'm splitting my message in half so that I don't try to cram it all to you in one service anymore. That's maturity right there, maturity. You're welcome. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. This is what happens when I don't, if I miss one Sunday, it just all comes roaring out. So Abraham made a decision to trust God, no matter what the natural looked like, no matter what his chances were, no matter how outnumbered he was. And no matter what his own body was telling him, one of the challenges is, is that your flesh is contrary to the spirit and there's always a war going on 
And we tend to be ruled by our feelings and emotions and what our flesh is telling us. And then when we don't feel good or our desire, the desires for carnal things rise up, the battle's on. And the lies are on. Your body and your flesh and the carnal nature is always wanting to do what's contrary to what God wants. But that's something that Jesus defeated on the cross. That's something that's already dead. That's something that if you really understand it and you become fully convinced, it doesn't have a place anymore. But the key is that you have to get fully convinced. You have to be fully convinced. So instead of Abraham being weak in faith, he was fully convinced. And he didn't waver at the promise that he knew God himself would perform. Why? Because God said it. And when God says it, he will do it. God's word does not return void. God makes a promise and he means to keep it. So the scripture says Abraham was not weak in faith. He was fully convinced that God will perform the word that he gave. And then because of him being fully convinced, he was strengthened in faith. Now, opposition is always going to come against you. It seems like every day I'm facing opposition. And I feel like as the days go, bo- go by, things get weirder, crazier, wilder. I'm like plot twist daily. Am I the only one? I mean, it's plot twist every other day, it feels like. And every time that plot twists, I'm faced with a decision. Every time I look in the natural and I see things that are hopeless and impossible and completely dead, I have to make a decision. Do I believe the word of what the natural circumstance is telling me or do I believe the word of the Lord? I sometimes feel weak in faith, but I've learned that in that moment that that tries to come in, when I choose to believe what God said in his promise, my faith grows. But there's always this decision It's like you're always in a valley of decision every day. Are you going to believe the natural circumstance and the lies, the checkbooks, what your boss says, the the wars and rumors of wars and the lies and the government and the economy? I mean, this is really applicable when you're standing at a gas pump right now. Am I the only one manifesting at the gas pump? I'm going to say this again. Instead of being weak in faith, look at verse 19 again. Let's pull that up. And not being weak in faith. Now, today, we're going to pray for those of you that are weak in your faith. Sometimes you feel weak in your faith. My job is to get you fully convinced and for your, to help your faith continue to grow, to trust God, to believe him for the impossible. In fact, Faith isn't any good until it's tested. So your faith always has to be tested with something. And I know some of you are like, man, I I wish the testing would stop. (laughs) No, you don't. Because testing produces a testimony. And without a testimony, you're not fully convinced and can't fully convince other people. Against all odds, no matter what the chances were no matter how outnumbered you are, no matter what the natural circumstances 
say? He knew that God was able. Say, God is able. And I'm not. But together with him, say it, together with him, we can. The issue lies in wavering weak faith versus being fully convinced. So my question to all of us today is what's your decision going to be? What's your decision going to be? Listen to the word waver. He did not waver. Let, let me define it for you. To waver means to stagger. It means to oppose. It means to doubt or hesitate. It means to dispute and withdraw through erroneous judgment. A few weeks ago, I, talked, I taught a message titled Church Slander. And the concept was, uh, I'm tar- sorry, it was um, scandal, church scandal. The premise was, is that when you offend a child, they become offended and a scandal takes place. It's scandalous. Now they erroneously judge God as not being just or good. Everything comes down to the goodness of God and the justice of God. Everything. Are you going to believe that God is good no matter what and faithful and able to perform what is impossible or not? God's always going to put you in a situation where only he could do it. And then you're going to say, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And that fully convinces you. And now you can fully convince someone else. But you got to get fully convinced. No matter what, I know that God is faithful and I've heard his word. That's another thing. I'm going to say this very nicely. God doesn't want you to not know what he's doing. There's no such thing as blind faith. He even gave Abraham the general direction, but he said, trust me when I send you. You may not know the daily, but you can ultimately know where it is that God's leading you. And if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, that's all that matters. It's day by day. It's trusting God every step of the way. And God gives you general ideas and understanding about the direction, but he may not tell you how you're going to get there until the moment. Because he wants complete dependency. That's what it means to be spirit-led. It's complete dependency. That's what it means to be like a child. It means I don't have to have it all figured out, but I'm listening and God's pointing and directing. And I'm saying yes, no matter what he says, even when it looks impossible. And it will look impossible a lot of times. So the key is not to waver or you have to stop disputing. You can reason with God. That means to have a conversation. That means to ask questions. That means to listen. But when you decide through erroneous judgment, this could never happen, it's not gonna happen. Or when you make a decision that says, I'm not gonna do it anymore, I quit. Therein lies the problem. Never quit. Never quit, hold the line. Abraham held the line. And I'm gonna tell you, It's going to get more difficult and dark in the days to come. But as the world gets darker, the more resilient and stronger the remnant church will become. And there's going to be a remnant church because God is sifting his church as a whole with the chafe and the wheat. And any church or ministries that are chafe, God will do all he can to change the chafe. But if the chafe doesn't change, he will sift them out. And your prayer needs to be for churches that maybe you don't like or agree with. It shouldn't be sift them out. It should be change them, God. 
because they still, not everyone, but most still had a genuine faith when they came to the Lord. They just may not believe the full gospel and the doctrine the way that you do or have the insight and understanding the way that you do. But how dare we judge them erroneously? There's some churches in town that I can tell you right now, if the pastor gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and flamed on, whoo, and they, especially when they jump in the fight together with what God's doing with other churches in the city, we can take the city. But some of you are like mad and complaining and negative. Don't ever cut the hem of anyone's garment. Ever. Even David had to go through Saul. David had to, well, first David had to overcome his own family dysfunction. Then he had to go overcome the lion and the bear and then Goliath and then Saul and then Hebron and then his own issues and Jerusalem, family dysfunction. And God made a promise to him that through his seed would come the Messiah. God never moved off the promise even when David made mistakes and failed. He still ran back to God and God fulfilled his promise through the Messiah. Somehow God chooses to use a weak, broken person just like you. God made a promise to Abraham and Abraham, it would seem like they prematurely thwarted the destiny of God through Hagar and Ishmael. Did they? The answer is no. So you got to hold the line and that's what Abraham did. He didn't waver. He didn't erroneously judge God or have a dispute with God. Because when you waver, it leads you to becoming unsteady and undecided between your opinion and God's truth. If you look it up, it says to waver between two opinions, but God doesn't have an opinion. God has truth. You have an opinion. And if you go look up the word opinion, Y'all got opinions. Some of you have an opinion of me and the worship and the church and many of you are visiting and determine if you like it and some won't like it and some will love it and know that you're called here and you will stay, which is what's happening. But it's all the more reason why you have to be spirit led where you go because it's not based on style, preference and opinions. Even worship is not based on that. Some of you have determined I'm never gonna worship or raise my hands. Now, I don't wanna pressure you like I used to pressure people, but here's what I'm gonna say, try it. Try it. Just one time, lift your hands. Just one time, let God say, God, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because until you, there's many things that God says, until you move, you're not going to experience it. Some of you are like, I'll never go up to the front. Well, as long as you sit back there, you may not have the same experience that God wants you to have. I can remember a church that I went to and I walked in late. I don't know how that happened. Everybody was up on the front on their face. I got in late. They were having an encounter with God. And when I walked in, I said, I, what's going on here? It's, there's no spirit. It's like dead as a doornail. And I heard the Lord say, walk to the front. I said, I'm not going to walk to the front. He said, then you're not going to feel what I want you to feel. And so I went ahead and walked up. And the minute I got past the first row and I stepped into where everybody was, I got hit by the presence and power of God. My hair, hands on my hair stood up on end and I had an encounter with God. Because we say, God, move. God, please do this. He says, I'm waiting on you. We think we're waiting on him. He says, I'm waiting on you. And it's, that's when the encounters happen, when you take the step of faith. You can't sit back and say, God, give me more faith. He says, take the step and you'll encounter me in the step. And it's always walking on water. 
it's always into the furnace. And guess who was in the furnace? He's in the furnace, folks. He's in the storm. He's just trying to get you into it. And you're like, oh, I want a safe, a nice, safe Christianity. No storms, no walking on water, no furnaces, no lion's dens. And without the lion's den, you don't get the Daniel experience. Where where did we get this safe Christianity thing? It's a Western Americanized deceptive lie. Step out, folks. You're going to have to. Here's the other thing. You're going to have to. You're, it's, it's step out or die. And I, I've had to become bolder in some things. I've taken a stand for our nation. I've taken a stand not because of American nationalism, but because I know God loves this nation. And he says, pray for this nation. Fight for this nation. I want this nation. Pray for people that will be in leadership that will implement biblical standards, which requires me to take a stand publicly. And I get, last week I had three or four families walk out the door and somebody went on Google and wrote a one-star review. I mean, at least I got one star. (laughs) But then I found out you can't go any lower. I'm like, oh gosh. Because we live in an audience-driven church. Hot dogs, hot dogs, get your hot dogs. God wants an army, not an audience. So listen to some of these words for waver. It means to fluctuate, falter, hesitate, pause, quiver, seesaw. It means to sway, teeter, waffle, right? But listen to what the antonyms are for waver. Calm, continue, persist, remain, Stay steady. Which do you prefer? Can you be calm no matter what the circumstances around you? Will you stay steady no matter what the circumstances around you? Will you keep persisting or will you give up, start complaining and doubt? Because it's complaining that kept the Israelites from the promised land. And today there's a promised land. His name's Jesus which means you can walk in full-time rest because you're close to him. But the more you look at the natural deadness of your circumstance, the more that you'll waffle. But Abraham had the choice. Look at the deadness of your situation or believe the promise in the presence of God. Woo! What's it gonna be? So, and then of course we have this mindset and understanding that God wants us to be fully convinced. To be fully convinced means I'm fully persuaded. It means to be full, not a fool. Full, F-U-L-L. It means I'm full in every part. It means I'm fully assured. It means specifically that what I'm believing is that what God promised will happen and will be carried through to the end. I believe it. And I'm full. And I know that I'm full proof. It means to be full proof. Full proof. I'm full proof. You are full proof. You have a full grown Jesus living inside of you when you're born again. So why are you doubting and wavering and letting your flesh dictate your daily how you feel? God's always gonna allow those tests to come, but he'll lead you out of the temptation if you'll let him. And as soon as we start not feeling good, here comes the 2 a.m. country music call. And then it's like, I'm lonely. 
And then here comes the alcohol. And then here comes the phone call. Here comes the bar. And the same situation. Because you're letting your flesh dictate instead of walking fully convinced by faith. Hardship comes. You get the worst news. We've had the worst possible news you could ever imagine. You've had some horrible. Many, people, many of us in this room have had the most horrible tragedies of news. And in the midst of it, you have to stand firm, fully convinced that God is good and he's faithful. No matter what happens, you can still grieve and cry. But no matter what happens, God is good and he's going to work the situation for your good. He didn't cause the situation to be good. He says, despite that situation, I'm going to work things for your good. We twist that scripture. Romans 8, 28. That wasn't a good situation. The loss of a child, a tragedy, a loss of a family member, terrible news, whatever it is. That's not a good situation. But God says, if you'll respond and be fully convinced, I'll work all things together for your good. Somehow, some way. So when you're fully convinced, you're fully assured. You're full proof. Full proof. Now let me share with you the antonyms for convinced. The antonyms for convinced if I can get this to pull up. Means to doubt. It means I'm unsure. It means that I'm not stuffed to capacity with trust and faith. I have doubt. Somewhere in me is doubt. I don't really believe that God can do what he said he would do. And I find myself wavering. I don't, I'm lacking confidence. I'm unsure. I'm not persuaded. And God wants you to become fully convinced. Now, think about the fact that Abraham and Sarah wavered for 25 years until finally he didn't waver. And I really like that because I I genuinely believe that Abraham finally at a hundred said to himself, I am so dead. I can't get any more dead. I have to believe. It's like God takes you further You know, I was having this conversation with Brad. You guys know the statements like sin always costs you more than you want to pay and takes you further than you want to go. And there's another part to it. And I was like, forget that. The cross always costs you more than you want to pay and takes you further than when you want to go because of your sin. But Jesus took it. So now it's like, and you've heard me say this, but it's like, I don't know that I could die anymore. And the Lord's like, oh, you can die some more. I don't think this could get any harder. And then it gets harder. But what it does is it brings you to this place like Abraham was. It's like, man, this is so impossible that it has to be God. Think about it. This is so crazy. This is so on another level that it has to be God. Anybody? Anybody. And if you're not there, you've not been there, when you get there, remember this message. (laughs) So because you're fully convinced, you're confidently moved to action, you can't change my mind. Can your mind be changed? 
about the goodness of God? Are you doubting and questioning the goodness of God? Are you uncertain? Are you weak in faith? Can your mind be changed? Now, let's be honest. As we go through time, God fully convinces us more. So let's not be religious today. It took Abraham a long time. And God made a promise, and it took 25 years for it to happen, and he even blew it along the way. But God makes a promise, and they're yes and amen. So God has this way in time of convincing you. As you mature and grow in the Lord, that's what happened to me a couple years ago. I had an eight-hour encounter with the Lord. I've talked so much about it, but that encounter only fully convinced me more. And the more hardship we went through, the more I trusted God, and then I was more convinced. God has this way of continuing to convince you so that you come to a place where you're unwavering and you can't change my mind anymore. No one can talk you out of it. You can't change my mind and I'll never waver at what he said and you'll never waver at the goodness of God or at his promises. And part of Abraham's strong belief was that he saw his dead body and Sarah's dead womb and he had to make a decision. And here it is. Believe the odds against you with no hope in the natural or stand firm on the incredible promise of God that is also standing before you. See, the the scripture says it was in the presence of God. So God literally came down, talked to Abraham, and in the presence of God, Abraham said yes, while Sarah was sitting in the tent and laughed. Did that deter God? That's why I genuinely believe that when God ordains a promise, he means to keep it. And God even understands when we don't sometimes believe it. And even Sarah laughed. And God didn't even, he didn't even correct her. Moses, I taught it in Numbers 11. Moses is like, the people complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Moses is like, look, just kill me now. This is insane. I can't take it anymore. It's a paraphrase, Numbers 11. Why in the world did you give me these people? They're crazy. What? They have lost their mind. They saw a pillar of fire and a cloud by day and they've been eating man in the wilderness and they're just complaining nonstop. God's raining down bread from heaven and they're like, take me back. <coughs> it's too hard. And then Moses picks it up. He's like, just kill me, God. I didn't birth these people. I didn't even pick this job. Have you ever said, I didn't even pick this. Anybody? I didn't, I didn't choose this job. And you know what? Most, uh, God didn't even pick that brick up. He just kept on loving him and said, meet me at the tent. And I'm going to come talk to you face to face. There are two things standing in front of you today. The odds against you and what seems hopeless. Or the presence and the promise of God and his word for your life. What are you going to believe? Make the decision. Because I understand it's hard. And there's uncertainties. But he is certain. On the flip side, once you see how dead you are, once you know that you're a walking dead man, once you stop putting your hope and trust in your flesh, once you stop letting how you feel dictate what you believe, once you see the dead man, you'll see the resurrected man. 
That was how this worked. I am so dead. And God says, I am so going to resurrect you. you. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. You can't know the resurrected Jesus until you know the crucified Jesus. You don't get the resurrection until you go to the cross. And that's the problem with the American gospel. It's all about the resurrection and not about the cross. Because the cross hurts. The cross is death. The cross is slander, lies, accusations, hurts. That's why next week's going to be really good because the Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I'm fully persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Woof. I got chills talking about that. Can't wait already for next week. It's fully persuaded. Now, God has this way of fully persuading you. My challenge to you is make the decision to say yes, no matter what, and don't prematurely try to make it happen. Let Jesus drive the bus. We're in a situation. We're in a situation. The attorney's like, this other person's driving the bus. And God rang in my ear. He says, oh, no, 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 I'm driving the bus. Who's driving the bus? Who's driving your bus? This is where Jesus comes in on the cross against all odds. Romans 4, Romans 4, 23 through 25. Let's take a look at this real quick. Now it was not written for his sake. So what we just read was not written just for Abraham's sake. Alone. That it was imputed to him. This wasn't just for Abraham. Look at this in verse 24. But also for us. This is for us today, right now, in your situation. This is applicable to your naturally dead, seemingly hopeless situation right now. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. And just as Abraham gave God glory by believing versus unbelief, his faith was strengthened. That's what I want you to see. And in turn, it was accounted him for righteousness. How does faith increase? Believe the word of God and stand on it and hold the line. God's faithful. He'll always show himself. Unbelief is how faith is becomes weak, belief is how faith comes, becomes strong. It's not something you can just pray for. It's not like, God, give me more faith. Now there's the gift of faith and there's a measure of faith. And when you get born again, in fact, you wouldn't even get born again if you didn't have a measure of faith. It takes faith to be born again. It takes faith to say yes to Jesus. But then God comes, puts his spirit on you and then gives you the gift of faith. And that gift of faith says, I'm not just gonna keep it on the inside. I'm gonna speak it on the outside. Mountain, get out of my way. Get to the sea now. And it can be tiny, tiny, tiny. But all you gotta do is open your mouth. See, the gift of faith moves you to action. You need the gift of faith moving in your life. Abraham, because of his faith, was, it was accounted to him from right, for righteousness and he was called something that we should all want to be called more than anything else, a friend of God. I want to be God's friend. How about you? God wants to be your friend. He wants to intimately be involved in your everyday life. He's not some distant by and by pie in the sky, sitting on a chair more concerned about 
another country or a war. He cares about your everyday life and he cares about that. I pray, God, please, Lord, please move in the Ukraine. Please cover. I was crying out to God for hours the last few days on my motorcycle. Please, God, touch him. God, please move. And I heard the Lord say, I'm moving. The problem is, is we don't often know how, but God's not caught off guard. And God always, always brings justice. It's a pillar of his throne. We may not see it the way we think we should see it. And we see a lot of injustice, but that's why God put you on this earth was to bring justice to the injustice. You can't not pray because he's inside of us. And we cry out and we pray for the families and the children and the innocent lives that are being lost. But God says, not one of them is not being noticed. My eyes are fully attentive to their cries and to the pain. And then I'm like, man, I'm like, God, bring justice. He says, oh, I will bring justice because that's who I am. You have to be fully convinced and believe the gospel. Jesus died for your offenses on the cross. He was dead just like you once were or are now. And now he was raised for your justification. All of us were, were offensive to the things of God. This is the essence of the gospel. Not one of us are good. We never were good. God doesn't want to make you good. He wants to make you spiritual. That means you're wind driven by the Holy Spirit and you're allowing your intellect and your mind and your thoughts and your judgments and your feelings and everything to be submitted to him. And I feel all kinds of stuff. And I have to wrestle. It's called fighting the good fight of faith. But just because I feel it, my heart starts racing and I get nervous. And then next thing you know, I feel anxiety start to creep in. I get news that's terrible news in the natural and anxiety creeps in. And I start to get nervous and shaky and my heart starts pounding. Anybody? For some of us, it leads to panic attacks. But in that moment, when my heart starts pounding and I feel that feeling, I have a decision to make. And this isn't false, fake, just quote a scripture. Yeah. I'm owning it. God, you did it for Abraham. In the natural, it's dead, but faith moves mountains. And I want to be a mighty man of faith like Abraham was. I want to be fully convinced. Let's everybody say this together. Say, fully convince me, God. Fully convince me, God. I want to be fully convinced. I want to be fully convinced. You can trust God no matter what. You can be fully convinced without doubt or wavering. You can know with that when God says it, he means to keep it. You can know that God's promises are yes and amen. You can know that the father loves you, Jesus loves you, and his spirit is with you or wants to be with you. He never wanted you to do it alone. There's a difference between alone and loneliness. You can be alone and never be lonely. That's the problem. Some of you don't know how to be alone. Some of y'all haven't ever had a season without a boyfriend or a girlfriend because you just hate being alone. Maybe God wants to be your first love and put you in a season. God had me in a season. I bombed it and prematurely married somebody that I thought it was the Lord because I've been married before. I said, oh, this is God. But it wasn't the big G, it was the little G. It was me thinking it was God and I laid claim to it, but it wasn't. And it was so disastrous that I literally, it didn't last but a year and it was trauma, so traumatizing that I waited 13 years to remarry when I was 40 because I was, man, it was so hard and it was so difficult. And I never wanted to go through that again. 
And God will take you through things to bring you to a place where you're fully dependent on him. And even when you bomb it and you blow it and burned every bridge down, that's the beauty of the Lord. He takes what's dust and gives you something beautiful. If you'll let him, you're never too far gone. You're never too stuck. This is the essence of this message. I can imagine Abraham went and Sarah went, I am dead. There's no way. And I could say more about that. I would imagine at 190, there was no Viagra then. I mean, it, seriously, they were dead. Do you understand? <sighs> you never know what I'm going to say, but I just said that. It's a true statement. It had to be God. That's all I can say. It had to be God. You can trust God. Listen, you're dead one way or the other. You're dead one way or the other. You may as well fully trust God and stop trusting yourself in your flesh. You can trust the man that already died who's now the resurrected man, who forever lives to make intercession for us. The whole story of Abraham is that now you can look to the cross and it's for us when we put our trust in Jesus and understand I once offended God and now I need the blood and forgiveness. I don't wanna be an offense anymore. And I don't wanna doubt or waver. God has incredible things for your life. Listen, I'm gonna say this to everybody. God has incredible things for your future. You cannot do this in your own strength. Stop trying and start trusting. People tell me, Pastor, I'm just trying so hard. I'm just trying so hard to believe. I'm trying so hard to overcome that sin. Pastor, I'm just trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm like, dude, stop trying and start trusting. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's in your deadness that God resurrects you. Here's a fun little fact, and I'm gonna pray for you all publicly. There's two words in the word convince, convince or convict. Both are similar. When you're convicted, the judgment has been issued and there's no turning back. The decree has been declared. Now, all the signs point to the fact that you are guilty. You're convicted. You are a convict. But there's another word tied right to that word that has a similar meaning and it's the word convince. Conviction always wants to get you to believe lies. Convincing always dispels the lies. Think about it. Convicted or convinced. Because when you come to Jesus, you're no longer convicted. Conviction is for those that are not born again. And if you're not born again, and you feel conviction, that's by God's design because you were guilty of offense to God. But when you come to the cross, now he removed, you're no longer convicted. Now he just wants to convince you of who you are. But the devil always wants to try to convince you through conviction and get you to believe the lies that God's mad at you. You made your bed lie in it. But God says, no, 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 no. I've, I, you are perfect in my eyes because of the cross and the blood. And you say, well, I don't see perfection. And God says, it's not about the perfection. It's about the cross. Yeah. 
This is the gospel. Man, if you can get convinced of this, stop using the word convicted. We've hit this hard in my class. God admonishes you because he directs you and he guides you and he leads you and he warns you, but you're no longer convicted. So why are you convicting yourself? Why are you letting the devil convict yourself? Why are you looking at the deadness of your age, your womb, your circumstance? Why are you letting that dictate the promise of God? And why don't you start believing the word of God and stand on the word by faith? Let your faith grow. And so if you're weak in faith, I'm sure a lot of people today feel weak in faith. I'm sure there's a whole lot of you in this sanctuary that feel weak in faith. I'm sure there's a whole lot of you here today that have been wavering. That's why I'm preaching the message. But you can make a decision today to be fully convinced. Or you could say, God fully convince me. He says, okay, I'm gonna fully convince you. And for some of you, you've been waiting a long time for a promise. This is who I'm praying for today. You're not fully convinced. You've been wavering, weak in faith. But how about the delayed promise? 25 years. I don't want you to have to wait 25 years, but some of us have been waiting 25 years. Did God make a promise to you that you're still waiting on? And maybe is that promise causing you to waver because it's taking so long? Anybody? If that's you, my challenge to you is believe the word of the Lord in the presence of God and be like Abraham, who's the father of all of us. Father Abraham. Believe what he said. I trust God. I know God's faithful and he'll perform what he said. I don't know how. I don't know when. And I don't even understand the whys. We have things that happen that there's just not an answer for. You, there's things you don't have an answer for sometimes. But God knows and there's eternity. And God says, hey, are you going to trust me no matter what? And you'll cry. And it hurts, but you go to the cross. You got to get to the cross today. Get to the cross today. You can't know the resurrected you until you know the dead you. You can't know the resurrected Christ until you know the crucified Christ. Okay? I know I've spoke to a lot of people today by design. I'm with you. I'm, in the, I'm preaching my own message today. Okay, can we do this together as a family? Can we do it as a tribe? No matter what? Wait, is it really no matter what? Stop doing this your own way. Some of y'all are, you got Hagar's and your birth and Ishmael's while you have a promise. Stop. You're gonna create a heck of a mess that God's gonna have to fix. I'm done birthing Ishmael's, folks. <laughs> I am D-O-N-E because I'm D-A-N-D. A-D. A-D. <laughs> All right, you guys, I'm going to pray for you. Stand up. Come on. Come on, guys. Fully convinced. Unwavering. I'm so full that there's no more room for doubt. Tell doubt to get out. Say it. Doubt, get out. I'm not going to waver anymore. 
I'm not a waffler. I'm not going to teeter-totter. Come on. You're like, oh, but pastor, it's so hard. Well, we know hard. And that's why we're here for you. I'm not making light of your heart. I'm not making light of your situation. Get comfort, get prayer, trust God, fight. Be here when these doors are open. Get around family. Get around people that will lift you up and speak life to you. All right, just close your eyes. For the brave ones, lift your hands. Come on, y'all. Fully convince us, God, the natural looks pretty bleak. What I'm seeing in the natural doesn't look good. It looks really dead. But in the spirit, God, in your presence, by your word, you made a promise. And your promises are yes and amen. So we say yes and amen. I don't know how, when, where, or why, but I know you're faithful to perform what you have spoken. You can pray this with me if you want. Just say yes to it. You call those things that be not as though they were. Now may we do the same. Start calling things that be not as though they were. That's what I want you to do. Speak it out. Speak life. Stop speaking death. Stop complaining. And I bless you. I speak strength to you. Those weak in faith, God, I pray that you would grow them with the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of faith and the gift of faith, God. Grow them. Let their faith increase. I speak life to every dead thing. I speak life to what seems impossible. I speak life to what seems like there can be no way. Say yes to God. Stop driving the bus, folks. I speak that to you. Let go of control. And I bless your life supernaturally. March forth in the promise of God. He'll do it no matter how hard it's been. Let him comfort you and strengthen you. And I speak life to you. Say yes today. Say yes. Yes. We say yes, God. No matter how hard it is, we say yes. I say yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and sin no more.